Okay. Can you hear me? Good morning. Happy New Year. It is such a pleasure to be able to bring in the new year in sharing God's word with all of you guys today. I can't think of any other place that I would rather be than to be sharing the living, breathing word of God with each and every one of you. So I just really believe that the Lord has given me a word for you guys to commission you into the year of 2017. So a little bit about myself. I am married to this wonderful man over here, David. We will be celebrating 20 years of marriage, year 2017. So I know that some of you may be really wowed by our young appearance, but believe it or not, we were actually married when we were of age. So uh, we also have... <laughs> We also have two children, Malia, who is a senior this year in high school, and our son, Makai, who is a freshman. So you guys can be praying for our family as we are going to be experiencing a lot of transition in the coming year with a graduating daughter. And also, I think it's very timely that 21 United is right around the corner. I'm going to invite all of you guys to please hit your knees in prayer for our family uh, because our son will be driving. But also pray, <laughs> pray for your family too because he'll be in a neighborhood near you. So... We are, uh, we are walking through all of that this year, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Pastor Lance talked a little bit about my role here at PSCC. I am his personal assistant. I also am the administrator here, and I also oversee all of the communications that we see from your seat backs and the website, all of those fun things. And the last thing that I do that's very near and dear to my heart is oversee many of the outreaches that we have that go on. So we just wrapped up Holiday Hope, adopted... 35 families, thanks to everybody in this room here. Um, we're able to provide gifts. Thank you so much. And before that was Back to School Jam, um, which we were providing school supplies. And, and you know, we do a lot of different outreaches here. And so thank you guys so much for supporting that. And um, if you spend any time with me, I would hope that you would hear that. I love meeting the basic needs of people by sharing the love of Jesus with them. So thank you guys for participating in that with me. So David and I have been here at PSCC for 14 years, and it has been a pleasure. Many of you, I can walk around the, or I can look around the room, and I can see uh, people that have helped pour into David and I's life, have helped grow our children up, and I just want to say thank you for that. It has been an honor, and we have been on staff here for about three years. Um, and prior to us coming on staff here, we had the opportunity to hit the mission field with Youth with a Mission uh, Discipleship. Do you guys know, are you guys familiar with Youth with a Mission? How many of you in here are familiar with the New Beginnings Home? A few of you. Wonderful, wonderful. So um, New Beginnings Home is a maternity home located in the Puyallup Valley, and it is a place in which women who find themselves pregnant for a variety of reasons um, need housing for a variety of reasons, whatever that may be. So David and I, in 2009, we dove into that as house parents. We felt like our skill sets were just right on for causing amazing change in the lives of young people there at the New Beginnings Home. And we served there for about five years. It was an amazing time. I can remember about a year into it, we were discipling a young woman who was just absolutely amazing. You would really, I guess, I hate to use this term, but really like the poster child, right, of a life redeemed and restored. A young woman who had decided to break it off with the father of her baby because he wasn't following Jesus. She had her roots in the Lord, 
but she had walked away and had returned. And she was eager for discipleship. She didn't want to just meet once a week. She wanted to jump into a Bible study. She was dreaming about her future. It was absolutely beautiful. Well, one evening, about 10 o'clock at night, I find out she's moving out. Not only is she moving out, she's moving in with the baby's father, whom we thought she had broken up with. We found out throughout that evening that really everything that we had seen was a lie. I can tell you that in that moment, I was completely undone, absolutely derailed. I can remember just sobbing, not understanding. I don't, Lord, I thought you called David and I here. Why are we not seeing the fruit of what you've said? We've given up so much. We're in missions. We're raising support. We've given up our home and our jobs. Lord, what is going on? I was at a loss. I remember I got in my car, 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, I got to get out of here. I got to leave. Drove around, went and parked at Peach Park a mile from our house. I was being really rebellious. And I called my husband, David, why? He said, hon, I don't know. And I just cried. Today, I want to talk to you about unfailing hope. About a hope that cannot be fueled by our own efforts, our own talents, our own desires to do good. It is only a hope that can be fueled by the Lord that allows us to use the giftings and the mantle of authority that he's placed in our lives to be able to move forward in what, he, in what he wants us to do. This morning, I want to talk to you out of the book of Jonah. Now, many of you might be familiar with the book of Jonah and being inside of a whale and be thinking, I don't really get how that has to do with hope. But it's my desire that you would see in Jonah's absolute humanity, the Lord's hope for his people Fuel Jonah forward to be a messenger of hope to God's people. Let's pray. Father, I ask this morning that you would open our eyes to see you. You would open our ears to hear the things that you want us to hear. Father, I pray your encouragement, your peace, your joy. I thank you, Father, that today, day one of 2017, would be a day that would create change and peace and hope for the entire year. We give you this time, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we dive in, we're going to be starting in Jonah 1. I want to give you a little bit of context about who Jonah was. Jonah was alive during the time of prophets. It was during a time where God was using people to speak truth to his people. And that there was prophecy that was being fulfilled. He was a prophet for about 50 years, a contemporary of around Hosea and Amos' time. But what I do want you to clue in is that he was still a person, just like every one of us in this room. And I don't want to take away from the specialness of who Jonah was, because we know that the word is divinely inspired of God and that Jonah is in the word for a reason. So I'm not taking away from that, but he was still a human. He wasn't a divine being, and he had a mantle and a calling on his life. So as we think about that, we're going to continue to go back to that point. 
So he lived in a time that he, um, Israel had great favor of the Lord. In fact, Isaiah had recently prophesied that Damascus would, there would be a downfall of Damascus and that Israel would reclaim territory that it had once lost. So Israel was feeling pretty secure in the promises of, of the Lord. They were feeling pretty safe and favored. Now, on the border of Israel, there was a country of Assyria. And in Assyria, there was Nineveh, which was a great town that resided within Assyria. And they resided on the Tigris River. Many of you may know, if you resided on a river at that time specifically, you, ha you had a lot of favor, right? You could irrigate your land. You could give your um, livestock water. So Nineveh was a very powerful city in Assyria. And Nineveh, it says actually in the word that it was a, a large city. It would take three days by foot to travel in and through it. Let me tell you why this is a beautiful picture of hope. Because the Lord asked Jonah to go and to preach to Nineveh, a town that was known for its endless cruelty, a people group that was not the chosen people or the people of promise. Yet the Lord had a hope for those people. So I'm going to back up a little bit and we're going to talk to you about the story. So the Lord asked Jonah, he says, I want you to go to the town of Nineveh and I want you to preach and tell them that they have 40 days to repent or there will be a downfall. Now, Jonah immediately goes to a port city. He buys a ticket not to head to Nineveh he heads to Tarshish, which is in the opposite direction. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to Nineveh. And we'll talk a little bit about why that is here shortly. So he gets on a boat, and many of you may be familiar with this story, and there, there comes a great storm, and the ship is rocking, and all of the crew are wondering what is going on. So they begin to take the cargo and throw it overboard to lighten their load, and the captain begins to look around. Where's Jonah? He finds Jonah fast asleep in the middle of the storm. He says, what are you doing? Why are you sleeping in the middle of this storm? He wakes Jonah up, and again, they're figuring out. And remember, this was a time in which they were all serving different gods. So they're wondering who has um, angered their god to create this. So Jonah gets up. They cast lots. It falls to Jonah. Jonah acknowledges, yes, it was I. I am the one who was disobedient, I've angered the Lord. Now, the crew would have known that this, that his God was a God to be feared. So they asked, Jonah, why would you do this? What do we do now? And he says, throw me overboard. They're like, uh, I don't think that's a good solution. Like, you've already angered God, and now you want us to throw you overboard. They eventually throw him overboard because the storm is getting worse. And... Jonah is swallowed by a fish. So, a couple of things about Jonah's humanity in this story that I love. This is why I love this story, right? Because God's hope is immense. And Jonah's hope is not. He does not want to go to Nineveh. So, number one, he asks Jonah to go. And Jonah flees in the other direction. Does that resonate with anybody in here? I don't know about you, but I can't always say that I've been exactly obedient to what God has asked me to do. 
So um, in the time of the prophets, the Lord would send prophets to preach doom, but it was always with the hope of repentance. So I don't know about you, but I would flee in the other direction for this reason. Nineveh is a great city who has been at one of our greatest enemies over time. Israel's finally at a time of peace and receiving favor of the Lord. Oh, Lord, you want me to go to an enemy territory of people who are known for their endless cruelty. In fact, in Nahum 3.19, it talks about Nineveh, and it says that the people would rejoice and clap their hands at its destruction. It was a terrible place, and they were not serving God. So for me, I would say, I'm not going there because what cost is it going to be for me, my own personal safety? But also, what about my nation? I think some of us in here could stop and think about, there are places today in this world that maybe God would be calling us to that would be at great personal risk to our safety, but also to the safety of our nation. Can you guys think of some places? There's a few places. But... What we learn in um, Jonah chapter 4 is actually Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he did not think that they deserved God's goodness. They were too bad of a people group. I don't know about you, but that maybe has resonated with me once in a while too. I'm really glad that we serve a God who sits on the throne even when we don't deserve his goodness. The next thing that Jonah did that I really think exemplifies his humanity is he slept. He went to sleep. Now, some of us, we know if we are outside of God's will, we can fall into anxiety, depression. One of the symptoms of depression is excess sleep. But I don't think that God just wants us in this chapter to look at the fact that he actually just slept. I think he also wants us to understand what sleeping entails, right? that maybe some of us are just being complacent in our walk. We're just kind of ho-humming through life, being numb to the things around us. We're not aware of the storm crashing around us. We're just sleeping. We're just sleeping through it. So we know that in his humanity, he ran from God's calling, and he went to sleep. So now we're here in the belly of a whale. And what I'd like to do now is to read to you Jonah chapter 2. And it is a prayer that Jonah speaks from the belly of a whale, that he prays to the Lord. And I don't want to summarize it because I think it's beautiful and powerful. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. So if you guys have your devices or your Bibles, you can turn with me to Jonah chapter 2 now. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. 
and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I think there are some key important points that we can learn from Jonah's response inside the belly of a whale. Remember, Jonah was human. I don't know about you, but when I'm inside the belly of a whale, there's no promise I'm getting out. I don't really know what my response would be. Would I cry out to the Lord? Maybe, perhaps, maybe I would say, why am I in this situation? What is going on? I'm not really sure. But this is what he did. This is what I feel like helped him to be able to move forward and complete the mission that God had for him. So number one is he prayed. He created intimacy with the Lord. How do we have hope that's fueled by the Lord, that is able to propel us forward in the mission and the mantle of authority that God has placed on us? We have to have intimacy with the Lord. If we don't know the voice of our Father, how do we be encouraged by his voice when we're in despair? If we don't have intimacy with our Father, how do we feel like we can cry out to him? How do we feel like we can converse with him? Number two, he proclaimed truth. In the belly of a whale, he says in Jonah 2, 6, But you, O Lord, my God, snatch me from the jaws of death. So Jonah had intimacy by praying. He declares truth in the middle of a really difficult situation. And number three, and this probably is my favorite part, if I can have a favorite, Jonah 2.4 says, Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. So it says he fixed his eyes back on the Lord. See, when he was asked to go to Nineveh, he real quickly took his eyes off of the Lord and onto what he thought was justice. And maybe there was a little part of him that also had some fear about going to this city with cruel people. doesn't say that in the word, so I don't know. But he did not have his eyes fixed on the Lord. So when we need to identify hope, get back to the root of hope, we have to have intimacy with our Father. We have to proclaim God's goodness despite our circumstances. And we have to set our eyes back on the Lord. See, God had a hope of restoration for the city. And that is what then sustains Jonah to go back to Nineveh. And if any of you guys know the story in chapter 3, we know that he does. That, and we just read it, right? The fish spits him out. And he goes back to the original mission with a new hope. God, he needed some time in the belly of that whale, I think. He needed some time to reflect, to re-have intimacy with the Lord, to declare God's truth, and to set his eyes on the holy temple. See, regardless of what was going to happen in Nineveh, because he had no idea, he thought maybe they would turn their eyes back to the Lord and 
repent. And I think that he thought that, again, when we talked about that earlier, that Israel was in a good place, and it was during a time of prophets. And the neighboring countries and cities, they saw that God's prophecies were coming true. So we can imagine that Jonah would know, well, Nineveh has seen. If I go there, they're probably going to listen to me because they've seen God fulfill his promises in this. But regardless, he was still called to go and to preach hope. It didn't matter what the response was going to be. That was not what the Lord said. Go here because they are going to repent. See, he didn't know because he was human, just like you and I. He had a gifting and a calling on his life to be a prophet, but he didn't know the end result of what that was going to be. So today I think about for myself, for us, what is our Nineveh? Some of us are stubbornly sitting in the belly of the whale griping, Maybe you've run from the calling of God. But he has a hope in accomplishing his mission on earth through each and every one of us. Some of you might be like Jonah, and you're like, eh, I don't deserve the grace of God. Or, insert name here, doesn't deserve the grace of God. Some of you might be the total opposite. You might be like, what do you mean? I have been running towards this person, or I have been fueling my hope. Lord, do this in and through me, and you are tired. For both those camps, we're running in our own strength. You see, we cannot fulfill the mantle of the calling and the giftings that the Lord has given us without him fueling it through his hope for his people. No matter how gifted you are, no matter what good you have done, both camps, whether you're like Jonah or whether you are filled with mercy, are going to run out of strength unless your hope is eternally fueled of the Lord. So we know, thanks Lance. (laughs) Excuse me. We know that each of us are equipped differently in the body of Christ. In fact, in Romans 12, 5 through 8, it says, So it's with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God is giving you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, if I were to preach on each of those giftings, we'd be here all afternoon. It would be a whole other series. But as I mentioned before, I do think that we fall in one of two camps in these gifting sets. We lean towards justice or we lean towards mercy. And I touched base on it really quick that either camp, in your own ability and your own strength, you're not going to run the race well, right? So some of the characteristics of those of us who lean towards prophets, and I say those of us because that is me. I am a justice person. So some of us get tired of being the one that always has to bring truth. 
<laughs> right? Because we have the truth in us. Some of us in the justice camp, in the prophet camp, we have an alertness to dishonesty. We have a desire for justice. We have a loyalty to truth versus people. And uh, we have a willingness to suffer for right. Now, those aren't all bad qualities in and of themselves. Not at all. It, I mean, obviously, the Lord equipped Jonah with this. It is something that is needed. But there can be an imbalance in it. Now, some of us are more mercy-oriented, right? We tend to have endless hope, but we are exhausted from continuing to believe and from being let down whether that be in our own personal life or whether that be for other people that we are having hope for or other people groups or whatever it is. Those mercy people, I love mercy people, by the way. We need mercy people. We got to bring balance. Are sensitive, so they're often aware of the needs in others. They're compassionate. They're gentle. They're yielding. So they often place other people's needs above their own, <clears throat> but in both camps. All of us in here can identify. I know we lean towards one or the other. You're probably right now thinking about situations in which you have been one of those things or the other. In both camps, we have to ask ourselves, who are we daily placing our hope in? Is it through my own abilities, my own skill sets? See, God, it's only through his goodness that we get to believe in him. And I said it earlier, thank goodness it's God who sits on the throne, that God cares for his people. If you read a little bit more in Jonah, and uh, thank you to Krista, we were chatting last night about Jonah and chapter 4, and she was saying it's just kind of weird because chapter 4, Jonah then is still mad. He's mad that the Ninevites, they actually do repent, if I haven't mentioned that, which is, Amazing. Yay, salvation. That's good. He is really angry about it, actually. And there's that whole weird passage about the sprouting leaves and the worm, and Lance can answer all of your questions about that. Any <laughs> deep theological things, email Lance. <clears throat> but I was, like, thinking it's very full picture, right? Because there again, he's just right back in his humanity, but it doesn't mean he didn't carry out what God asked him to do. It doesn't mean that eventually he wasn't obedient and that, I mean, he did. He allowed the Lord, the Lord's hope for restoration in a people group to fuel him, to push him there, to do what God asked him to do. And then he was grumpy and in sin again. Well, we do that. But I'm so glad. I mean, the whole story is a story of redemption. It's a story of hope. God sent prophets to preach doom always with the hope of repentance, always with the hope of redemption. So for both camps in here, those of us who lean towards mercy, those of us who lean towards justice, what do we do? We take a note from Jonah in the belly of a whale. We have to pray. We have to carve out time intentionally. As we go forward in this new year, as we approach 21 United, 
And I am the first one that can say I am guilty. I start out so strong. January 1, I am in the word. I am downstairs with my coffee. And then, you know, 15 more minutes of sleep sounds really good. I don't really want to get up. And the coffee's not made because Dave didn't make it. And <laughs> but we need intimacy with our Father if we can have hope to face the day. We need intimacy with our Father. <clears throat> We have to declare truth. I can't tell you how many times I say, okay, Lord, what is the truth in this situation? Because it looks bleak. Things do not look good right now. This situation is really hard. God, what does your truth say? And how do we know God's truth? Well, we have to be in his word. If we aren't in his word, we don't know his truth. If we aren't praying, we don't know his voice to know his truth. See, it all works together. And lastly, and I love, we must decide to set our sights back on the holy temple, back on Jesus. Now, some of you in here may be thinking, how do I do that? I don't know how to set my sights. I'm discouraged. I'm tired. I don't have enough energy. Ephesians 6.10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we aren't fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore put, on, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And it goes on to say, for the shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. We have a road map in the word. The Lord tells us how we stay, how we keep our eyes fixed on him, how we can have an eternal wellspring of hope. It will never be when we are fixed on our own situation, when we are fixed on our own abilities. We will never have enough hope for this nation, for our friends, for the people we're mentoring, for our spouses, for our children. The list goes on and on. Only the Lord for ourselves. That's an important component that I want all of you to hear this morning. Some of you may be thinking, I'm not really called. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not really called to, you know, we can argue we're all called a little bit, right, to share our faith. But there's a hope that God has for you today. He has not given up on you. He is operating in your life and relentlessly pursuing your heart Regardless of where you fall today, God longs to restore hope in you for this new year. See, that evening at New Beginnings, that evening when I was in despair, when I was weeping and not understanding, I was in sin. It's okay that I felt emotion, but I was in sin because my sights had been on Heather's ability to impact this young lady's life. The Lord never said, Dave and Heather are going to new beginnings and you're going to see immediate fruit and you're going to change people's lives. 
No. In fact, I was processing with my staff assistant a couple days after that, and she said, Heather, you know what I have to do? I have to think every day, I'm here serving the feet of Jesus. Wow. So every morning, all God wanted me to do is wake up and serve him for the day. And that was enough. That was enough. God knows the rest. My hope was in my own strength and my own ability. And I can say, I wish I could say I've arrived. No big deal. I don't need to see fruit of anything. I'm set free. Of course not. Right? Come on. Sometimes I'm like Jonah and I'm pouting. And I'm mad because I'm a justice person and that person didn't deserve that thing. They're terrible or whatever we do as sinners in this world. You know, but... I will say it did, it did help me, changing my perspective in that moment helped to bring health back into my life so that it could sustain Dave and I to serve as long as the Lord called us to serve and not burn out before that. Because that's what will happen. If we try to run the race in our own strength, we try to have hope for our own lives or the people around us in our own strength, we will burn out will become depressed, will withdraw from something God had called us into to stay a longer course because we can't do it. But the good news is, is that God can. God can. He is a mighty God. He can give you the strength, the encouragement, and the peace that you need to run the long race, to have a sustaining hope that is everlasting. I always say that when we hear things, when we're learning things, that can take root when we take some action on what we hear and what we learn. Today, I don't want you guys to leave here unchanged. I don't want you guys to hear this word. Eh, that was all right. That was a good word. Her first time up there. She'll do better next time. I want you guys to hear what God has for you today. That there is hope for your own life. That you can turn your eyes back on him. That he will sustain you to carry the mantle of the giftings he's placed in your life until the day he calls you home. No matter what stage you are in your life. No matter the stage that he has a hope. So today I'd like us to bow our heads. I'd like you to just spend just a minute with the Lord asking him to reveal to you what place is it today that you need hope restored to you? Is it in a place for your own life? Do you just need to get back on track and centered with where God has you? Is it to use you in the life of someone else? Father, I ask, Lord, that you would bring right now a picture Father God, to the minds of people in this room today. Father, God, would you breathe new life, new hope, new vision, new passion. Encourage, Father, that the year 2017 would be different. In your name. Amen.